0: thanks for coming out to church this morning on this beautiful morning and for those of you joining us on facebook from your vacation maybe thanks for joining us and making that a priority so my name is ron weir i'm one of the elders here at the church and i'm blessed to be able to share this morning uh we are super excited and expectant about this summer sermon series that we're launching into today entitled finding and living your calling i mean hello who doesn't want help understanding this right all of us and pretty much everyone we know if we're honest for the next eight weeks we'll be moving through this very interesting topic and i assure you god has a lot to say about this as you might imagine actually he's the only real truthful and accurate way of discerning this personally for each of our lives and he's also the only way that any of us will have the necessary faith that's required to take the actions that are in line, maybe with what God's calling us uniquely to do. So before we get started, I just wanted to mention a couple of uh, things. Uh, I trust all of you were either with us in person or have since watched the videos from the last two weeks. Obviously the letter from the elder is also something that I would strongly recommend reading if you haven't already done so. Uh, while I don't have time this morning, obviously to devote to this again, I really do want to encourage all of you to look at these three important pieces of communication around this changing time of, as we've been calling it, bittersweet emotions and exciting possibilities for the future for Connie and Brandon, and also obviously for our church. As we've said right along, and I'll say it again now, please lean into our church during this summer and this coming year of transition more than ever. Ask the questions you may have on your heart or mind, as a lot of you have done, and we really are happy about that. That is not a bad thing. Don't think you shouldn't ask these questions. Bring the questions that are on your heart and mind, and start out with assuming the best of him, the best of yourselves as children of God, the best of this church as his church, and the best of our elders and our staff and our volunteers here at the church. We honestly believe, as Brandon brought last week, that he is at work as he always is, And we sincerely believe he's doing something new and he's doing something that only he can get the glory for here in our midst through us and through this great church. Amen? All right. So I'd like to, before we get started, say a little prayer and get us launched into this. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we just are so grateful to live in a free country where we can come and worship you. We can We can exercise our religion freely, and we can gather freely. We think of all those parts of the world where that's not the case. We have no idea what some people sacrifice and the risk they take in their pursuit of you, in their worship of you. We remember them now, we think of them now, we pray for them right now. And we just give you thanks for our freedom to do this and to worship you, and to gather together. Lord God, as we do, we pray that your spirit would be here in our midst. Give us ears to hear down deep in our hearts. Through today's sermon, Lord God, give me, your vessel, the words that you want me to speak, your words for this church. And during the next two months, Lord God, use this series to light something new, to light a new flame, a new spark, a new future and possibility of each and every one of our unique calling for our lives, a calling maybe that we've never been aware of, something new that we've not ever thought of maybe. Lighten that path for us and then give us the courage to follow you, Lord God, and we lift up you right now and give you glory even now for what you're gonna do through this church and through each one of us during this time, in Jesus' name, amen. So, one of the most beloved verses in the Bible, one of my personal favorites, and maybe yours, is the classic, Romans 8, verse 28. It's a verse you've probably heard many, many, maybe hundreds of times. It's one of the great promises in the Bible. And it says this, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Usually, though, we stop right there. We leave off the second half of the verse, and we say, wow, what a great promise. We know that in all things not just the good things in life, but even the bad things, the ugly things, even the terrible and tragic things of life. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say they're good, right? There's a lot of bad in life, we all know that. There's a lot of bad things happening in life. Not all things that happen to you or to me are good, but God says in all things that he's gonna work them together for good, even out of bad, He can bring out good for those who love him. But again, we usually stop right there. The rest of the verse, however, says we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called, circle that, the word called. By the way, I gave you these handouts. Usually we dig into the Bible, but this morning I have so many verses that I wanna cover and touch on in such a short period of time that I thought it would be helpful to have this easily referenceable And then I (laughs) I thought that a lot of you might like to, during the week, use it as a, a devotional tool to go deeper into some of these verses. But in this verse, circle the word called, and then according to his purpose, circle the word purpose in that sentence as well. And now I want you to draw a line between the words called and purpose. Because calling and purpose, as we're gonna learn this morning, they go together. And that's what we're gonna look at for the next eight weeks, really, is calling and purpose. If I were to say to you, what do you think of first when I say the word call, or make a call, get a call, called? Maybe you think of a telephone. You may be thinking, I'm gonna call out for pizza. Or worse, you may be thinking, someone's calling me with bad news. Or if you're like me, you're like, son of a gun, a telemarketer calling me again? How do they get this number? And they call you from all these different numbers that make them look like it's a local number now. Do you see that? But let's say the phone rings one day, and maybe you're thinking this is just another interruption or it's going to be bad news. And but what if someone was calling to tell you you had just inherited or won $50 million? You'd want to take that call, wouldn't you? I know it's not about money, but you'd want to take that call, wouldn't you? Well, what about if God called you? Seriously. What if God Called you. Well, let me give you a little tip. When God calls you, do not be using call waiting. Do not put them on voicemail. Do not let it ring, ring, ring. Pick up the call, right? Well, here's the good news. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Bible says you have already been called. I have already been called, and we've been called according to his purpose. Well, what does this mean? Well, the word in Greek is the word kaleo. Kaleo means God is calling you. It's used over a hundred times in the New Testament, over a hundred times. Most of the time it's talking about someone's assignment in life, someone's purpose or mission in life. It's really the reason God created you and me is our calling. In the course of the next eight weeks, we're gonna look at why am I alive and what am I supposed to do with my life? Anybody interested? All right, so the coolest thing about the Bible is really if you understand the Bible, at the core, it's a story of God calling people. The whole Bible is about God calling, calling Noah, calling Abraham, and Abraham responding, calling Moses for a purpose in life, and Moses responding, calling Nehemiah, who was a builder, calling Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, and Hosea, and Joel, calling David and then Solomon, and then in the New Testament calling the apostles, and then eventually calling Paul. God has a call on every person's life. And over the coming weeks, we're gonna look at seven specific dimensions of God's call for your life. Again, why you're alive, what you're supposed to be doing with the rest of your life, and how do you specifically fulfill that calling. As elders and leaders here at the church, our prayer for you over the course of this summer is going to be this verse from Ephesians 1. My prayer is that light will flood your hearts. When we sing that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that's from this verse. My prayer is that light will flood your hearts and that you will understand the hope that was given to you when God called you. Understanding the calling on your life, when you understand your calling, it's going to give you incredible hope. And he says, I want you to understand that. He says, when you do, when you understand God's calling on your life, then you will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all God's people. He's saying, when you understand your calling, when you know your calling, you discover the incredible blessings that you've been missing out on. The reason we're so excited about these these next eight weeks together is we hope all of us together will go to another level of not only discovering his calling, but understanding these glorious blessings that God is making available to us and that he wants in our life. So what we're gonna do today is I'm gonna just introduce the subject, launch us into this series, I'm going to give you an overview of eight important things that I, I think you need to know. And I'm going to summarize a bunch of different verses on calling in the Bible. And as I said, I really encourage you to, to be looking along with us as we're going. And uh, I know sometimes this can feel like the fire hydrants being open with information. Well, this one page front and back gives you a, a way to go deeper with this and spend some more time in reflection on this, uh, on this message that we're going to share this morning during the course of the week. So I encourage you to do that. So let's look at these eight things that you need to know, and the first thing that we see in God's word is this. My calling is a gift from God. My calling is a gift from God. I don't earn it, I don't deserve it, I don't work for it, I certainly don't bargain or barter for it. It's just a flat out gift of God's grace. It's his present to me. When he created me, he called me, and it's all by grace. Galatians one says this, God by his grace through Christ has called you to become his people. So what is grace? It's undeserved kindness. It's when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. If we all got what we deserve, we wouldn't be here, would we? No, I know I wouldn't. If we all got what we deserved, it just wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the, the, the grace of Jesus Christ, and so God says, I give you what you need, not what you deserve. Grace is the fact that God knows every dumb mistake you're gonna make in life, and he still chose to create you. He knew all the times you were gonna disobey him, and he still chose to create you. That's the grace of God, and the fact is, God knows all the things that I've done. Even when I was thumbing my nose to him and rejecting him, God was saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Your calling is actually a part of your salvation. The calling to Christ is also the calling to your purpose. Second Timothy one verse nine says, he has saved us and called us, those two things go together, saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Again, his own purpose and his own grace. So God gives me this calling in life simply because he wants to. Give me a calling in life, not not something I deserved. He just gives it to me. So the word purpose allows us to really kind of segue into this next concept which is really foundational to this whole idea of calling because I'm called for God's purpose. It's not mine, it's God's purpose. I'm not called for my plan in life, I'm called for God's plan. I can assure you that, and I, I shared this over the last couple of weeks, when Brandon and Connie gave us this notice that they had felt God calling them on to something else. I was like, wait a minute, this isn't my plan. I don't want this. Why would you do this? And all they could say is because we think God's calling us to it, and it's not our plan, it's his. Oh, right. It's hard to remember that sometimes, isn't it? But this is essential to discovering his calling. It's not our plan, it's his. God did not make you for you. You think you created? You were created by God just to live this selfish little life of self-centeredness, me, me, me. Are you kidding me? No. God didn't make you for you. You were made by God, and you were made for God. Until you understand that, life is never going to make sense. You're going to get bored. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to have all kinds of difficulty because you don't understand you were made for God. A good example of this is the story of Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament. The firstborn son was always the one who would inherit the family inheritance, right? That was the culture of the day. But God decided just because he wanted to, he was going to do this differently. He was going to reverse it. And so he chose Jacob to get the blessing of the firstborn son, even though he was born second. And he told this to their mother, Rebecca, uh, Rebecca before she even delivered. And Paul is retelling this Old Testament account in Romans chapter 9, and he says, before the two boys were born, God told Rebekah, the older will serve the younger. The exact opposite of the culture of the day. This was before the boys had done anything. I mean, they weren't even born. In other words, they didn't deserve it. They didn't merit anything good or bad. God said, this is so. The one chosen would be chosen because of God's own plan. It was his purpose. He was chosen because he was the one God wanted to call, not because of anything that he did, not because of anything else. Well, guess what, you have a calling, I have a calling that is unique to our lives, okay? We all do. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, we're made for a purpose, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This verse is filled with some important truths that I'd like to help us look at. First, it says that we're God's workmanship. Circle that word, if you would. The word there in the Bible, in the Greek, is the word poema, P-O-E-M-A, poema. It's the word we get poem from, as you might imagine. How cool is this, you are God's poem. You are God's work of art, his craftsmanship, workmanship. Many translations of the Bible translate this, you are God's masterpiece. You say, well, I don't think I'm much of a masterpiece. Well, guess what, then you don't realize how much value God has put on your life. You say, I'm not a masterpiece, I'm a pretty beat up piece of junk. Sorry, you're not junk, and Jesus didn't die for junk. If you look at the cross, You see, Jesus' arms outstretched, his nail-pierced hands. He's saying this is how valuable you are. You're valuable enough to die for. You're not junk because God doesn't create junk. He doesn't die for junk, and he certainly doesn't send his Holy Spirit to live in junk. Amen? You're a masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. But here's the important message here. The fact that you're a masterpiece only shows when you are fulfilling your calling. If you try to be what somebody else wants you to be, you're going to miss it. And your true beauty, your true greatness won't come out. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good good works. Now, those good works are your contribution to the world. You weren't put on this planet just to breathe and take up space and die. Sorry, guys. No. You were put here for good works. You weren't put here to simply be a consumer. You were put here to be a contributor, to make a contribution with your life. And here's the cool thing about this. We have, all of us, different good works that we've been called to. Your contribution in good works is different than mine. My contribution in good works is different than the person next to you. God makes us all different, gives us all different callings so that everything in the world gets done. Pretty cool plan, right? It's all part of it. It's all part of his plan. So, you're God's workmanship created to make a contribution which God prepared in advance. If you want, indulge me, circle that as well. Prepared in advance. That means a long, long time before you thought of it. God had thought of your calling. In fact, here's the third principle I want to review. God chose my calling before I was born. You need to know this. We all do. My calling is a gift from God, as I said. I'm called for God's purpose, not mine. My calling was before I was born, he chose it. Let me show you some verses on this. In Galatians 1 verse 15, Paul says, it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. What undeserved mercy. Here's another example from Jeremiah 1.5. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. God called you before you were even born. And the Bible says God uniquely shaped you. Hey, here's a news flash, pretty cool to think about. You were all made as custom-made babies. How about that? Pretty cool concept, huh? Well, it's truth. So don't underestimate what God wants to do with your life. In Isaiah 44:2, 2 I just love this verse. I am your creator, God says. You were in my care even before you were born. I wanna pull this, this verse apart in a little bit of detail for you. It says three things. First, it says, I am your creator. What does this mean? Well, at the core, it means you're not an accident. You were uniquely chosen, created, and called by God. You might say, well, why is it important for me to not think of myself as an accident? Well, very simply, because if you think you're an accident, you're going to live like it. You're going to go through life accidentally, kind of doing life without any purpose, without any direction. Well, guess what? You're not an accident. God says, I am your creator. The next thing he says in this verse, so important, you were in my care from before you were born, you were in my care. And you've always been in my care ever since, amen? You were in my care, that means you're deeply loved. You were in God's care when you were in the womb, even while you were growing inside your mother. Do you realize this is why we ought to passionately and without compromise defend the unborn? Please don't hear this the wrong way. If you've had the heartbreaking and emotional experience of having an abortion in your story, and you've asked God for his forgiveness, you are forgiven. His grace is sufficient for you. Don't allow yourself to be condemned for this. Please, don't allow yourself to be condemned. But let's also be clear on this somehow polarizing issue. I don't understand how it's so polarizing in today's culture. That's a life and a heart beating in that mother. That's a baby that God has already numbered, that baby's days, chose that baby to be born. Accidental parents, yes. Accidental babies, no. God chose to create and call you before you were born, and you weren't a fetus before you were born, you were a baby already chosen, already called, already created by God for a purpose and a calling. So the fourth thing the Bible teaches about your calling, and this one's a big one, My sins and my mistakes don't change my call. And I'm so glad for this one personally, I don't know about you. But my sins and my mistakes don't change my call, it's God's call for my life, how could it? It doesn't matter how messed up your life has been, whether you messed it up or somebody else messed it up for you, no matter how screwy it got, how difficult in the past it's been for you, it hasn't changed God's call on your life. The call that God gave you before you were born, the call that God gave you when you were saved, the call that God reaffirmed when you were saved, is the calling that God says is there forever. It's a permanent calling and God doesn't change it, never changes it. Now a good example of this one, one of my personal favorite apostles, one of the most impactful followers of Jesus to walk the earth, this guy named Paul. I mean Paul, let's face it, he was a pretty rude dude before becoming an apostle, but God called him to be an apostle. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says this, by calling me into his service, Jesus has judged me trustworthy. Even though I used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor and contemptuous, mercy, however, has, was shown to me because while I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. I want you to just pause and think of the people in your life who don't know Christ. Maybe some people that really frustrate you, really aggravate really push your buttons. Because while I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. And if we're honest, every one of us was there at one point. In some way, maybe we still struggle at times, but while I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance, Paul said. I love that phrase. That's saying, I did a lot of dumb stuff growing up. How many of you would admit, I did a lot of dumb stuff (laughs) growing up? Guess what, guys, that's apostle training, congratulations. Well, here's the interesting thing about Paul, and this is kind of, this touches on another cultural issue in a sense. It's a little challenging if you allow it to be. Paul was a terrorist before he became an apostle. I mean, legit, this guy was a religious terrorist. He was going to people's homes, dragging them out in the street, throwing them into jail, killing people. He was a murderous terrorist. God said, Paul, that doesn't change the call I have on your life from before you were born. I had a plan for you, and even the bad stuff is going to fit into the plan. The fact I love most about God is he never wastes anything. He fits it all into the plan. Even my sin, even the stupid decisions I've made that I'll regret the rest of my life, God says, I'm going to fit that in as well. We'll make it work. I can bring all things to work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I can fit that in there too. Not only can God say your sins and your mistakes don't change your calling, but the sins of other people against you also don't change your calling. Some of you may feel a little bruised, a little battered, a little beat up by the world. Maybe you had somebody who was unfaithful to you. Maybe you had somebody walk out of your life, betray you or reject you. For some of you, someone's done something much worse. Perhaps even violent to you. I'm so, so sorry for your hurt and your pain if that's you. But you need to know it does not change one bit of your value, and that did not change one bit of God's call on your life. Believe that. It has not changed. You are still God's workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And God says, I can take even the ugly stuff I can take the stinger out of it, and I'll even bring good out of it in your life if you'll let me. Selah, think on that, if you'll let me, right? When I think about this, I think about a a gentleman that many of you may remember, it goes a while back, but this gentleman's name was Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was one of the most powerful men in the world in his day. He was assistant to the President of the United States of America, and then he got involved in one of the most famous scandals in America called Watergate, and he went to prison. And in prison, he found for the first time Jesus Christ. He became a believer in Jesus Christ. He saw the need for people in prisons to know the Lord, and he started an organization called Prison Fellowship, which today is in over 160 countries, and has blessed millions of people. But when God created Chuck Colson, even before Chuck Colson was born, he knew he would be going from the presidency to prison and back back out all in one life. And he said, I'm gonna fit that into the plan. I'm looking forward to all of you hearing from our own homegrown version of Chuck Colson, Joy Johnson. On July 28th, she'll be sharing here at the church. Joy is actively in ministry at the Rhode Island Women's ACI. And her vision and calling were activated and later discerned right here in this church as an outgrowth of a global leadership event one year. Just as a quick aside, anyone who is not registered yet or perhaps never attended, one of the Global Leadership Summit events, I cannot encourage you enough to figure out a way to make it work. Those two days, for almost 20 plus years now, I I think, has made such an impact on so many lives, connecting to their calling, and really giving people a path and a vision for their future that they did not have before. I cannot encourage you enough to consider making that happen somehow in in your summer. It's in August, you can get the dates at the connection desk. But Joy Johnson will share just before the summit on July 28th and really kind of share how she activated her calling and really kind of how God spoke to her and and worked that out and and really ignited it and gave life to it through a GLS, a global leadership summit. The fifth thing we learn about God's calling is my calling is permanent. I'm just gonna quickly touch on this one. It's kind of a further extension of what I just said but this idea is is kind of new to a lot of people I find. The idea here is nobody can take it away from you. When you were growing up, your parents probably tried to make you do something you didn't really want to do or be something you didn't want to be. I'm guilty of it as a parent. I I did that uh, unwittingly at times. Maybe a girlfriend or boyfriend, maybe a boss, somebody else in your life trying to pressure you to do something, comply with their vision for your life. Never a good idea. But no matter what they do, they can't take your calling away, okay? You might be lost temporarily, you might not have found it, but they can't take it away. Nobody can, it's permanent. You can't even take it away. Satan can't even take it away. No other person can ever take away your calling. God says it's permanent. You'll see it in Romans 11, 29, where Paul writes God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable. They're permanent. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slide ahead to number six. and This is a really important one that I'm only going to quickly touch, touch upon here as well. But yet... I cannot emphasize it enough, my calling is connected to others. My assignment from God in life, my purpose, my vision, the dream that God has for my life, it's connected to other people. My ability to discover it and act on it is infinitely more difficult without being connected to his body. The Bible calls the church the body of Christ. It's the family of God, but it calls it the body. And just like the members of our physical body, our hands, our eyes, our nose, our feet, they're useless, disconnected from the body, but together, connected, they're very helpful. I think you guys would agree. It's the same way with us. It's why he calls it the body of Christ. It's one of the reasons why he calls it the body of Christ. Romans 14, seven says none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. You've got to be connected. Well, how do you get connected? Through a church family why we talk about community groups as much as we do, because in that community group, there's a connection there where you learn from other people. They help you in your weakness, and you help them in their weakness. Let me show you a couple of verses here real quickly. I'm not going to read them, but Ephesians 4.4, study this on your own. We are all one body. We have the same spirit, and we have all been called. We don't, we don't want to do it alone, guys. The risk is great that we will wander aimlessly for the rest of our life if we're gonna try to do this alone. It's not the way we were designed to live. I'm not gonna look at Hebrews 3.1, but another great verse on this point. Please take a look at that on your own. The seventh point I wanna mention this morning, very important, very important, because a lot of us feel God calling us to something, and we feel like we're over the tips of our skis, we feel nervous, we feel out of our comfort zone. We we, we look and we look around us, we say, "I, I can't do this. I've never done this before. I don't have the resources to do this. I, 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 what's, no, no, I can't do this. Well, what we're forgetting is this one. Number seven, God empowers what he calls me to do. Whatever God calls me to do, he is going to empower me to do it. In other words, if God has given me an assignment in life, he's going to enable me to do it. He's going to equip me to do it. He would never ask you to do something in your life that he doesn't give you the power to do. So here's how it works, simple for me to explain, but very difficult for all of us to do, but this is how it works. Once I understand this idea that God has a calling in my life, what I do is I commit myself to him, I commit myself to discovering it, I commit myself to living it out. And when I commit myself to God's calling for my life, I say, this is what I say, I say, God, whatever time I've got left on this earth, I wanna use it to fulfill your calling for me, whether it's a week, A month, years, or decades—I commit to your calling for my life. At that time, God commits His resources to help you to do it. You commit, God commits. You commit, His resources immediately become available and start coming to us. And I really think, in in a sense, very inspiring. You know, I'm 20 years older than Brandon and Connie, and yet they've inspired me so much by what they've done. As I said, this wasn't my plan, and They have this vision of stepping forward just like Joshua did into the Jordan and trusting him for the next resource, the next clarity, the next whatever it is they need to fulfill his calling. Talk about courageous. I don't know too many people that would have that courage, but this is exactly what it is. We have to step out, even if it's out of our comfort zone, and trust that he will make the way. He will provide the resources. He will equip you. He will strengthen you. He will give you exactly what you need That's why it's called faith. Ephesians 4, 1, Paul says, I urge you to live the life to which God called you. Notice, the calling is a lifestyle. And you had to live the life to which God called you. What we're doing and really hoping to do during this series is to learn how to do it. Well, how do you do it? Let me just give you a few simple examples of how you do it. Again, not easy, but simple. Read or listen to God's word every day. That's how I learn my calling. It's a novel concept. If I'm not reading God's word or listening to God's word every day, am I likely to find his calling? No, I'm likely to find whoever's calling I am reading or listening to. And if it's just the white noise political radio, God help you. That's not God's plan. I gotta be in God's word if I'm gonna find his calling, if I'm ever gonna have a chance. How about this? Enlist friends who challenge me. That's how I learned my calling. It's called a community group. In other words, if you're going to be wise, you're gonna hang out with wise people, right? Ask questions, accept correction. The more I do, the wiser I become. I learn God's calling. Now, let me tell you what God wants you to do next. He wants you to help somebody else. That's how you're gonna grow from this one. Sure, you're gonna grow by becoming a committed part of a community group, that will help you a lot. But helping somebody else will help you take this to another whole level. We always grow fastest when we pass it on. So here's what I encourage you to do. If you're in a community group, absolutely, stay committed to your group community group. That's essential. If you're not, why the heck not? Get committed to a community group. You can't do this alone. And if you keep trying, it's kind of the definition of insanity. Get connected and get committed to a community group. Watch the videos, do the discussion, read the book, memorize the verses, all those kinds of things. But also go out and find one person yourself that you'll invest in and say, I'll do it with you. One or two people, one or two friends. Pay it forward, right? Every week we're doing this, share it with someone. Meet up with someone over coffee or over a meal and pass this on, pay it forward. You might say, why should I do that? Well, because you'll grow faster. God will give you power as you're doing it. He'll grow your confidence. He'll help you realize you can do stuff you didn't do before. He'll give you, you'll pull away from a conversation, say, I don't even know where those words came from. I didn't know I had that in me. God doesn't give you power to just sit and learn and do nothing with it. He gives you power to go help somebody else. So here's my prayer, 2 Thessalonians 1. This is why we always pray for you, Paul says. Asking our God to help you. That's in power. Live the kind of life that he called you to live. God says, if I called you to live this kind of life, I'm going to help you with the power. We pray that with his power, God will help you to do the good things you want. Catch that. Do the good things you want and perform the works that come from your faith. So notice, do the good things, and perform the works. That's the good works we were talking about earlier, and God says, I will give you the power, you can count on me to give you the strength that you need. I'm not gonna read 1 Thessalonians 5, read that one on your own time, but this is so important. Okay, he will empower you, he will strengthen you, beyond what you currently feel prepared for. So the final thing that I wanna review on this list of eight uh, things that we're covering this morning on this, and really for me, this one reason, I love all of these, but this this one reason is why I'm personally very excited about this series. There's a prize for living out my calling. I don't know if you knew this, but there's a prize for living out my calling. God has promised a reward for those people who find and live the calling he made uh, made for them here on earth. And that reward is going to last forever. Philippians 3.14, I know we're aware of this verse, but I press, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Well, what is the prize exactly? Well, to be honest, it would take me months to explain all that God wants to do in heaven for eternity with you. But let me just say this for now, the prize is that you get to share in everything that God has in heaven, everything. You get to share in his glory, you get to share in his power, it all becomes yours. So, honestly, essentially, life on earth is a test. Why didn't God just create you and take you to heaven? I mean, you're going there anyway, right? Why didn't He just take you there first? Well, I'll tell you why. Because He put you here on earth to test your faithfulness. And He gives you a few things, and He puts them in your care, opportunities, and relationships. And He says, Let's see how you do with them. You're faithful with a little? then I can trust you with all of my riches, all of my power, all of my glory in heaven for eternity. If you're faithful in little, then you'll be faithful in much. So This is a test. God is testing each and every one of us to see if we're going to fulfill the calling that he put us here on earth to fulfill. If you do, then he's gonna share with you everything that is his. To me, this is the most amazing thing. And Paul writes about it in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12 when he says, live the kind of life that pleases God who calls you to share in his kingdom and his glory. And I don't know about you, but that's an amazing thought that for eternity God will share his kingdom and his glory with me if I live out my calling here on earth. I think about this and I I gotta be honest with you, I personally... And I'm sure many of you would agree with this. I do not want to get to heaven one day and have God ask me, did you fulfill your calling? And have me go, I didn't even know I had one. We do have one. And I'm going to declare this morning that for this church, we are not going to our grave not figuring it out. We are not going to just sit by like so many other people and get to heaven one day and say, I didn't even know I had one. No, we're going to pursue him. And we're going to try to find that calling. And we're going to try to step out in faith to pursue that calling. Amen? Amen. This is the greatest prize you can ever imagine. And it goes on and on forever and ever.